1: As those who are able to please stand for the first lesson, comes from Isaiah in the 43rd chapter, beginning with verse 1, listen now to the word of God. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you, I give people in return for you, and nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you, and I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away, and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
0: Our second lesson comes to us from the New Testament in the Gospel of Luke in the fourth chapter. Listen to God's Word. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit for forty days in the wilderness, tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing in those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. And he took Jesus to Jerusalem and set Him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to Him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will give His angels charge of you and guard over you. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and a report concerning him went throughout all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Will you pray with me, please? Sovereign and gracious Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock, our friend, our brother, our redeemer. We pray in the name of the crucified, the risen, the living one, Jesus Christ amen. Well today is a little gap Sunday. We uh, we're in a little hiccup here in the story. This morning we're going to talk about this season of Lent that we have entered into on Ash Wednesday that we celebrate here on this first Sunday of the season of Lent and next week we're gonna pick up with the story that we've been following for lo these many weeks and we will pick up with the birth of Jesus and through the rest of the Sundays of Lent follow the life of Jesus to the cross and to the empty tomb and celebrate Easter. So next Sunday gentlemen pull out your Christmas ties, ladies your favorite Christmas sweater and we'll celebrate the birth of Jesus. This morning I want us to think about where we are on this journey in the Christian year and talk just a bit about Lent and what it has meant to the church, means to the community of faith, and can mean to us in these days to come. Lent is spelled L-E-N-T, not L-I-N-T. It's not what you pull out of the dryer on the, the, the strainer to catch those particles of clothing and towels. It's not what you pull out of your belly button. It's L-E-N-T. It comes from an Anglo-Saxon word which means to lengthen and in this season of spring leading us to Easter, the days are lengthening. Although we lost an hour of sleep last night, the sun will shine deeper into this day and the days are getting longer, thanks be to God. The season, as I said, is for 40 days. It does not include Sundays. On Sundays we break the fast. We have a little celebration of the resurrection of Jesus every time we gather on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, the day of the resurrection, to celebrate. The season begins on Ash Wednesday. We had a beautiful service right here in our sanctuary just this past week. About 150 worshipers gathered in here. How many of you were able to attend the Ash Wednesday service? Let's see a show of hands. So many of you. And at that service, you had ashes at our service or maybe another imposed upon your hand or upon your forehead. And the ashes are a biblical symbol. They remind us of our mortality. They remind us that we are dust and to dust we shall return. The ashes that we place upon our bodies also remind us of our humility. We begin this journey in the lowest place, in a humble place, as we follow Jesus Christ The ashes are also a symbol of repentance. We become more acutely aware of our sin and our need for God's redeeming grace and forgiveness in our lives. And the ashes are also a symbol of sanctification of the fact that when we enter into this spiritual discipline, we are being made holy. We are burning away the impurities in our life much like a metal is tested and refined and the dross is burned away. The chaff is separated from the wheat in our lives and we are being transformed. Lent has been a part of the early church since really the, the, the turn of the millennium, since after the birth of Christ, as the church began to form itself into communities, those who would be baptized into the Christian church, into the community of faith, would study for three years before their baptism. Three years that mirrored the three years of Jesus's earthly ministry. And so that time of preparation was followed then on an Easter Sunday Those new candidates, those new initiates would rise before the sun and they would gather. They would gather in the darkness in their regular clothing and to begin the liturgy they would face to the west as I am now. They would renounce Satan and any hold that he may have in their lives and they would spit upon the devil. And then they would turn to the east as the rising sun would be piercing the darkness of that Easter day. And they would take off their clothing. They would put on their birthday suits, so to speak, to strip naked. And then walk down into the baptismal pool, entering the water. And then they went under the water and were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then they walked out of the baptismal pool waiting to be embraced by members of this new community, this new family that they had entered. And they were given a white robe to wrap around their clean and naked bodies. They were given a candle and they processed, into the church where the community had already gathered and were singing praises to God, holding their light, their candles, and each new baptized person would then enter into the community, into the family of faith, following the light of Christ, the light of the world. There they would be given a cup of cold water, a water symbolizing the fountain of rebirth, the washing that they had experienced on the outside and now a washing on the inside, remembering that when they drink of the fountain of Jesus Christ, they will never be thirsty again. After they have taken the cup of water, they were given a cup of milk and honey because they had entered a new land. They were citizens of a new country. They had entered the promise of God's people, the land of milk and honey. And so now, in a similar way, we are entering into a season. Into a season of transformation and rebirth. A season of 40 days that are reminiscent of Noah's 40 days on the ark. Israel's 40 years in the wilderness. The 40-day journeys of Elijah, Jeremiah. The 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness. And if some have said the 40 hours that Jesus' body laid in the tomb. These 40 days that we enter are like a womb, that we enter one way and we come out changed and different, a new person into a new life. And So we are called in these 40 days to remember our baptisms, To ask ourselves, what does it mean to be a baptized Christian in this day, in this age, in this culture? How does being baptized set me apart and mark me as God's own and different from the world in which I live? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ in this day and in this time? And that is precisely what Lent is meant to be and can be for us. Lent is our opportunity to remember our baptism our true citizenship in the kingdom of God that we are part of a new family and we have a new sibling Jesus our brother and we remember what he has done for us and who he is for us. We are justified by his sacrificial death by what Jesus has done for us we are put back into right relationship with God not by anything we have done for ourselves but by the gracious act of God's love and grace in Jesus Christ but that's not where the story ends because as we have been justified and made right in our relationship with our loving God through Jesus Christ we are being sanctified and that is what this journey is about recognizing our justification and walking into our sanctification the Holy Spirit purifying us, burning off the dross, making us new. Each of these things are two sides to the coin of salvation. Salvation is a gift to be received with gratitude. And the other side of the coin, it is a task to be pursued with courage. Our salvation is a gift and it is a task. And so Lent gives us now this time and this space to enter into a womb where we have concentrated growth, to enter into 40 days of a cocoon where we experience beautiful transformation so that we come out on the other side of this journey changed, new, and whole. And the first Sunday in Lent gives us a text from the Gospel readings, sometimes from the book of Matthew, and this morning we look at the Gospel of Luke. Jesus' 40 days of being tested in the wilderness. Tested, strengthened, like a metal undergoes intense heat so that it might be fully what it was intended to be and prepared for its use in the world. It's important for us to remember this testing that Jesus underwent, that it followed His baptism In the third chapter of Luke, just prior to Jesus going into this time of testing, Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. And after Jesus came up out of the water and was praying, Jesus heard and those around Him heard the voice from heaven saying, You are My Son. And with You I am well pleased. There are two things for us to remember as we go on our Lenten journey, the first is that Jesus at this point in His life, following His baptism and entering into the wilderness, He has done no miracle. He has fed no hungry people. He has healed no sick people. He has raised no dead people from the grave. He has not preached any profound sermons. Yet Jesus, He hears these words from His Father that He is pleasing in His Father's sight that He is God's Son. And the point here is a reminder for us that we are saved by grace, not by works. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my child. And with you, I am very pleased just as you are. As you sit here in God's house, this morning. There is nothing that you can do. There is nothing that you have not done that can make you any more pleasing in God's sight. You are completely loved. Totally forgiven. And claimed as God's own. This is for us to remember. You may be saying, well, that may be okay for Jesus, for God to say that about Jesus' his Son. And it may be okay to say that about a baby during a baptism when the pastor holds up the child and says, you are God's child and with you God is very pleased because how do you not say that about a baby? They're so innocent. They're so cute. They're so cuddly and chewy. So lovable. But how could God say that about me? But the truth of the matter is, it is what God says about you. And it is true. And we need to hear it. Do you believe it? Participation time. Turn to a person to your left, to your right, and say to them, you are God's child. We need to hear this. If we're going to follow Jesus and enter into these 40 days of testing, it's the first thing. The second thing that we need to hear is about who is in charge of this journey, who's inviting, who's driving, who's directing the action. Jesus is going into the wilderness where He will encounter Satan and be tested. But Satan is not in charge. Satan is not luring. Satan is not teasing Jesus into compromising situations. No, when we look at Luke in the first verse of the fourth chapter, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. God's Word says, I will put my Spirit within them, and I will write my new covenant upon their hearts. And Luke goes on, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, is led by the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit of God who fills us and leads us just as Jesus is filled and led. God's Holy Spirit is in control of the journey. And Lent is an invitation for us to respond to the Spirit and follow Jesus Christ. Do you believe that you are full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit of God? Time for participation again. Turn to someone else or maybe the same person and say to them, you are filled with God's Spirit and led by God's Spirit. Say that to your brother and your sister. These are things that we need to know as we begin this journey. They are things that Jesus knew as he began his journey of being tested in his baptismal identity. For Satan comes to Jesus after his time of fasting in the wilderness, when he is hungry, when he is weak, and comes to him and tests him and said, if you are God's child, if you are God's son, and the world will test us, the enemy will test us in the same way. In whom will we find our identity, our worth, our purpose? Like Jesus, when we enter into this testing, these are the two things that we need to know that we are God's child and God's Spirit. It's in us and leading us. And as Jesus goes into the testing time, there are three that come to Him. The same temptations that Israel faced in the 40 years in the wilderness. The same temptations that Israel fell in the temptations of not living by God's Word. Of following after other gods and putting God to the test and not trusting God's faithfulness. But Jesus, when tested in this same manner, He answered with God's Word. Jesus raised in the faith, taught in the community of faith, answered with the words of faith from Deuteronomy. In each temptation, He answered with the words of Scripture. As Satan tried to twist God's Word to trick Him, He answered with the stories of faith, with the words of God. And He said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus said, you shall have no other gods. And Jesus said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. All of these answers from God's Word in Deuteronomy. In the same way as we enter into the season of Lent, we have three disciplines for us to practice and to follow that will help us not fall to temptation and to testing, but to be found faithful. The three disciplines that this season of Lent and have have given the church over the history are these, prayer, almsgiving, and fasting. And we are invited to engage in these disciplines in this season. How many of you would like to deepen your prayer life Maybe that's why you're here today. Well, we don't have to make this reality something complicated and convoluted and hard to follow. Let me ask you this. How many of you bathe daily? That's most of you. God bless those that you're sitting next to. You can deepen your prayer life when you take a shower in the morning. What better time to be in conversation with the living Lord? To be reminded of your baptism, that you have been washed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You are clean by His scarlet blood and made whiter than snow. And thank God for your baptism that you are claimed as His child. The shower's a great place to be in communication with you. Nobody's going to interrupt you, hopefully, unless you're a mom with small ones. You can't use your cell phone in the shower, thanks be to God. You can lift up the people that God places upon your heart. It's a place where you can wash away the worries of the day. Give yourself to God. How many of you either drive a car or ride in a car? That's just about 100%. To deepen your prayer life, you're going to come to a stop sign. You're going to encounter a traffic signal. At some time, you are going to stop and you will have to obey the red light. A perfect time during your day to pray, to stop, to thank God for something that you see around you, to lift up a person, a situation that is upon your heart, to intercede for a brother or a sister. Stop! Be still for just a moment in your day and pray. And then there's almsgiving. That is sacrificial giving. That is giving beyond the tithe that, that the Bible directs us to give to the work of the kingdom. This is an offering over and above. And while we have gone through a beautiful uh, Global Mission Conference, and maybe you have already given to it, this is an opportunity for the rest of this season up until Easter to continue to make an offering to the Global Mission Conference. And these wonderful ministries, these needful ministries, these powerful ministries, and these people that we are in relationship with, you can make a sacrificial gift over and above your tithe for this purpose. Another way that you can practice almsgiving is by simply seeing something in your life. Not something that you're done with or tired of, but something that is still precious to you and give it to someone out of love. You can practice almsgiving in those simple ways and fasting. Fasting, I believe, is becoming a lost art in the church but it has been part of the spiritual discipline of our mothers and our fathers for centuries. It was good enough for Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation. It was good enough for John Wesley, the father of the the Methodist Church. It was good enough for John Calvin, our doctrinal theological guide in the Presbyterian Church. These were people who fasted as part of their spiritual discipline. And fasting means doing without. That can be food, that can be shopping, that can be TV, that can be social media. It it means removing the clutter from our lives. Last weekend at Celebration of Faith for Flint River Presbytery in Norman Park, I preached uh, or or I taught a class on Sabbath rest. And and practicing Sabbath is much like practicing fasting in Lent. It has been said that, that practicing the Sabbath, setting aside that one day for rest and for worship, is the practice of saying no. And fasting is saying no to something in our lives. A quote that I used was from Ma- Master Eckhart, a brilliant writer in the Christian church. And what he said was God is not found it in the soul by adding anything. God is not found in the soul by adding anything. I think we would all agree there's nothing else we really need to add to our lives. They're already so cluttered with so much stuff. But he says, God is found in the soul by subtracting. And that is what fasting is asking us to do, to say no to something. And something significant. Something that we encounter on a regular basis. You know, giving up chocolate has been belittled. But let me tell you, for some people who decide they're going to give up chocolate, that is a huge sacrifice because they're addicted to it. And so the discipline is, every time you go to take that piece of chocolate and put it into your mouth, what is it that you are satiating? What is it that you are quelling within your spirit? What is it that you're filling up so that you do not have... The, the, the awareness of a deeper hunger in your life for a relationship with the living God and the people around you. And what else is it in your life that you use to dampen and deaden a deeper hunger? Give up something significant every time you go to it. Identify what that deeper hunger is. I was preaching on Lent here in our church a few years ago and somebody came out after the sermon and said, Pastor, I've decided what I'm going to give up for Lent. And I said, what is it? He said, I'm going to give up watching football for Lent. You need to think about that because Lent is celebrated in the spring and we play football in the fall. So I said, you're going to need to do better than that. So the next week, the man came out of church and he said, okay, Pastor, I've decided what I'm giving up for Lent. I said, what is it? He said, I'm giving up Lent for Lent. What is that thing that you will say no to in this season of 40 days so that you might identify a deeper hunger? Because when we feed on the living Christ, He has said, you eat of me and you'll never be hungry again. You drink of me and you'll never be thirsty again. What is that deeper hunger in you? We're called to follow Jesus into these 40 days and we can do so humbly yet boldly and confidently and confidently with hope and with joy and with a full and certain knowledge that we will mess up. (laughs) Debbie already has. Did you hear her story about the sucker? You're gonna mess up too. That's part of the journey. Reminds me of when I graduated from college and before I left to go teach high school in Kenya I had several months at home And if any of you parents have ever had a college graduate as your child come back into your home after they've been away, it's not really the most conducive mix anymore. And there I was, a college graduate in my parents' home, going and coming whenever I pleased at all hours, leaving pots and dishes in the kitchen and my clothes all over the house. And I came home one evening and found a letter on my pillow that was written by my mother. And it was addressed to Charles Ransom Hasty Jr. And then underneath my name in parentheses were these letters, A-S-I-W-I-A-W-P-E-F-A-T-F-T. And I opened up the letter and she said, Dear Chuck, a son in whom I am well pleased, except for a few things. And then she went to enumerate those few things. And I had to come face to face with those shortcomings and those bad habits in my life. And we need to as well, and they are there. But they do not keep us from being in relationship and growing in that relationship with the living God. And so as we enter this season of Lent, let us remember that we are God's children. You are God's child. You are part of God's family. You are not alone on this journey. You're surrounded by brothers and sisters who go with you. And Jesus Christ is our brother. Doesn't that sound so good? Jesus is our brother. He's not only our Lord. He's our brother. He went into the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit and He resisted temptation. And as I was thinking about Jesus leading the way for us, I remember these verses from Hebrews chapter 4 where it is written, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ has undergone every temptation, even the temptation to turn away from the cross. But even at the cross, Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. And He was obedient. He went to the cross so that by His resurrection we might know a new life. It is Jesus Christ who is calling us. Lent has begun. The Spirit is leading us. And it is not too late to join the journey. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.